Hey Colin, I just wanted to comment on the improved quality of your podcast. I'm really noticing the attention to detail that you're putting into uh, the sound design and the editing and quality of what you're what you're putting out. And as for me doing some sort of tutorial on Audacity, uh, I think as far as the techniques and the how-to of using software, there are much better teachers who have already done it, and I would just recommend looking at those first. Hi there, I'm Colin Green. You're listening to Spike Pit. But this is not one of my normal episodes. I'm calling these episodes my drive-by episodes, wherein I speak a little bit more candidly about the things that are on my mind. I'll be pulling less punches, maybe biting a bit less on my tongue. Now, if you think that's perhaps not such a good thing, then... This is not the episode for you. Remember, this is a drive-by. So that was the smooth, mellow tones of Mr. Frank Turfler. It's uh, definitely something I've been trying to do, or, or let's say I was. I was trying to raise my game. I found Audacity very easy to use and looked up some of the tutorials that Frank spoke about, had a good time with it, but run into a bit of a crisis. I predominantly want to spend my time with my family, playing games, playing games online, earning a living, making my podcast, all, all these different things. But the balance was off. Too much time at a desk doing production, some I've had to dial it back. It's it's unfortunate. I mean, the recognition there from Frank that he'd noticed an improvement and everything is wonderful, but I feel it's not going to be sustainable. So I'm going back a little bit to what we've called like either sort of punk podcasting or guerrilla podcasting. This business where you kind of grab your phone much as I do with my drive-by formats, I'm going to probably end up doing some more of that stuff. I will try and keep my hand in with Audacity and do some more polished stuff as well. But it leads into something else that I was mulling over in my mind. This question of uh, a sustainable release schedule. So you can check out my thoughts on that now from a segment I recorded a little while ago. I don't know about other podcasters, but one thing I think about quite often is what is the optimal or desirable rate of releasing episodes? Um, I've noticed that I spend actually quite a lot of time putting stuff together now. I mean, it was inevitable owing to the fact that I'm doing um, 
new things, different things, working with Audacity more, trying to produce a little bit more polish in certain areas. And I wonder sometimes, you know, is there such a thing as overexposure? Would I be better to uh, dial back the amount I put out or is it better to perhaps do a longer episode on a less frequent basis um, sometimes when you do quite regular episodes you can feel like you're spamming your listeners a little bit and that is certainly not the intention but if you get quite a lot of episodes you do want to try and uh, if you get quite a lot of call-ins I, f- I feel I do like to try and get a, a reasonable turnaround on getting some replies and, and and striking while the iron's hot. Otherwise, what you can end up with is topics that, that get a little bit stale or, or, uh, or, or, well, you know, just past their best. Uh, people have moved on. Uh, and I already feel at times... I get a little bit of that because I try and respond to the call-ins and if you've got quite a few, that means you end up with longer episodes. Then I find myself splitting them up into more shorter episodes. And if it's busy, you can end up almost releasing episodes every day. And I, I really I really don't want to do daily episodes. I kind of, just for me, that feels like it's a bit too much. Um, so there, yeah, that's something uh, I'd be curious to hear what people think about. Uh, and I know listening to others, this seems to be quite a, a common question amongst the uh, podcasting fraternity. Okay, so I'm grabbing a minute. I'm going to record some responses to recent feedback that I've received in relation to prior episodes first up we're going to hear from andy he's the voice behind a pretty new podcast expedition to the grizzly peaks check it out if you haven't already spike pit andy goodman here again sorry for being such a constant pest in your ear but um yeah that whole funny thing about mechanics and mechanisms the weird thing is I had no idea you'd circle back to the topic because, as I said, I'm doing a Roy, as I think it should now be called, and going through your entire back catalogue. And I was actually replying to the um, to the episode from, I don't know, like six, eight months ago when you first mentioned this whole mechanics, mechanisms thing. So this just totally, totally plays back into that. We just keep recycling our ideas. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's great fun. Cheers. Oh, and also um, your your further point um, that you expound on about all these other words related to a to an idea and how they can be used in a analogous or metaphorical way. Oh, you've totally got me there. I am I am terrible for taking a metaphor and stretching it to absolute breaking point until it just goes ping thanks for calling in andy at this point i'm almost thinking i should come up with an rpg called metaphor and mechanisms or mechanisms and metaphors 
I don't know. You know how designers like their alliteration. And yeah, choice of words, uh, it's, I mean, it's totally down to the individual. There's not really much I can add to that. But I do want to pick up on one, one thing Andy did say in particular there. This business of recycling topics. I mean, it's going to happen. We're all often talking about very similar things. Sometimes we're picking up on something that someone else has said. Sometimes, I mean, there's only so much you can talk about and you just end up talking about this stuff. It it does change. And I think a person, the same person, can often talk about the same subject over and over again. And every time... Perhaps they've found a little bit of enlightenment or, you know, they've had an idea that's taken their their thinking in a different direction. So there's some revision there. Uh, yeah, I listen to hours of podcasts and I don't really tire of hearing of subjects. There's, there's the odd thing that I find a little bit tiresome now and then, but, you know, you, you can't. You can't blame people for wanting to talk about things different to, you know, what you might yourself want to talk about. So I, I just take the rough with us moving. It sounds like uh, Andy's prepared to let me off uh, talking about mechanisms. Glad he's listening back through the, the back catalogue. I've, I've got a caller now, a familiar voice, who's also kind of listening to some of my older episodes and, and got some thoughts, but... I quite like the idea of calling it doing a Roy. Is the uh, like I said before, he's the main man who kind of brought it to my attention that that people were really digging in to back catalogues with his calls into random screed. So uh, yeah, we've got Jason doing a Roy. Really enjoying your back catalog. Yeah, it's Jason. Um, I don't know. I'm up to maybe your grab bag. You, you've been talking about camping and. You know, you just did your first session to stay frosty and whatnot. Um, one thing you mentioned that I like, and I'm going to talk about it maybe in my podcast, is the the idea of combat being three to five rounds, being maybe the sweet point. And and in your podcast, you're talking, or at least in the back catalog, you know, you're kind of talking about running one-on-one games and, and how to work that out, you, you know, how to divide that up and maybe divide the monster into thirds, stuff like that. But I think... You hit the nail on the head. The three to five round combat is kind of the sweet spot. Because if combat drags on, and that's one of the issues I'm having. And, you know, I've been playing GURPS lately, and I enjoy playing GURPS. And and Che Webster's a good GM, but GURPS isn't doing it for me because the combat drags out. GURPS combat has a big whiff factor. I roll, I hit. He rolls, he parries. I roll, I hit, he rolls, he dodges, you know, it's just, so not only do you have to hit, but they have to fail their roll to block the hit, and it's just, I don't know, I, I'm i not saying that's, I realize that's going more simulationist, and I get that, but I, I like that three to five round combat, and Arlen Walker's talked about this some over in his podcast, um, live from Pelham's Wasteland, the ideal combat thing, and, and he talks about like HeroQuest, where in HeroQuest, you can zoom in and zoom out. And the same thing with Burning Wheel. John Alan Large has talked about this on Red Dice Diary. The idea, if a combat's important, we're going to zoom in and spend a lot of time on it. But if a combat's not important, we're going to use simpler mechanics and zoom out and, and, and get it done quickly. So that way we can move on to the story. 
Now, you hit on something real interesting to me there, Jason. I I like some combat in my games. I like, in fact, I like a bit of everything in a session if I can. Not in a ticking things off a list kind of way, but just a little bit of variety to to keep keep things moving and keep a kind of a dynamic feel to a session. If you get involved in one of these long drawn out combats, while some people perhaps love them, I I feel myself starting to nod off a little bit and I've got quite a low pain threshold for that. That's where I come up with this idea, three to five rounds. Keep it exciting, keep it fast paced. I think it's long enough to get a decent result, uh, a... um, a decisive result, probably a better way of putting it, and yeah, move on. But what I hadn't heard about, or I don't recall hearing about, is what Jason's talking about, this idea of zooming in and zooming out. I think there's part of me that maybe does that in some form when I'm thinking about skirmishy type rules or... I talked a little bit about how you could do combat with mobs. And in some ways, that's me trying to zoom out and reduce the amount of detail in a combat in order to speed it up. So I think that's perhaps changing the the level of detail, like you said, zooming out. And then other times, you maybe you, you get a, a fight where you want to use the terrain... You want to have some kind of a dialogue going on between combatants. You want some fancy manoeuvres. Maybe maybe like you're doing a kind of chase over some rooftops. So you add in little flourishes of rules to kind of even create a little bit of simulation. And all these things are going to take a bit longer. And perhaps you, you want to do some kind of cold shots, pull-off stunts. And and for me, that is increasing the detail, and perhaps that is what we'd call zooming in a little bit. And to be able to do both of that within a single, both of, to, to be able to do to follow both of those approaches within one system, uh, man, I think you know that is that is pretty cool. You can do it on the fly, but I, I'm gonna have to look a little bit more and uh, see how some of these games that. Jason have talked about how they're accomplishing this um, this zooming in, zooming out for combat. But I'm glad he's enjoyed the episode. Uh, it's there in the back catalogue. If it's something you're interested in, take a listen. But yeah, just for me, three to five rounds, it is pretty much the sweet spot. And the good thing about the old... Uh, style of play where you've got reaction roles uh, morale roles things like that going on in and around the combat the um the set piece play it is not so evident encounters a bit more random in nature a little bit less prepared and i i don't feel you're playing theatre of the mind, perhaps. There's less onus on you to make the most out of an encounter. You know, if you've got all your minis sorted out, you've got some uh, ornate scenery together, your dwarven forge or whatever, and 
it's all taken a lot of effort. If you just blow through that combat in a couple of rounds, yeah, maybe there's going to be a bit of um, an anti-climax. You might, people might feel a little bit cheated or disappointed. So I can see how these, these big combats go off, and I'm not saying they're a bad thing, but I think thinking about your combat length is uh, something that should be... Combat length is definitely something that should be considered when you're you're trying to create that really um, dynamic and enjoyable session. It just occurs to me, listening back to that previous segment, I didn't mention ICRPG. It's getting quite a lot of chat recently. Pete Jones and Jason Connolly have been running sessions of ICRPG. I'm a big fan. I've talked about it on numerous episodes before. But one of the things, and and what makes it relevant to this conversation, is the timer mechanic. They use something called threats, treats and timers, or timers, threats and treats. I can't remember the order that he talks about it, that he being Hank, the designer. And he uses a D4 timer, and every time... So you roll the D4 at the start of an encounter... Each time you've gone around all the players and you come back to the GM, you click it down one numeral on the timer. When the time runs out, something happens. This obviously has the effect of driving the scene and it's up to the GM, you know, what that what that signals, but it just means something's going to happen. And it wants to be something fairly significant, not necessarily bad, but a change in the circumstances that's going to have an effect on the encounter. At least that's how I understand it and that's how I um, I play it. But uh, I wanted to add that in because I do think that is an important driver if you're looking to get your combats moving. It's something you could consider using in pretty much any game, a simple timer. Hey Colin, this is Rudy from RPG Retrofit. I just wanted to say I'm enjoying your review episode that you have up right now. And um, I want to, a thing I want to point out that I really like about it is your talk, you talked about the feel of the book and like the size of the book and how it feels in your hands. And like, that's a great aspect to think about because it's great to hear about you know, people's thoughts on content, obviously, like the content of the book, like, is it usable? Is it interesting? But there's been so many books that I've gotten that are just, uh, everybody's honking their car horns, that are just like uncomfortable to hold or big floppy giant tomes that are just no good. And that, that sort of nullifies the content for me, at least. So anyways, great job, Colin. And I can't wait for part two. Uh, first time caller, Rudy. Wow, Rudy. Um, I've got to say, man, uh, before we get into the content of your call, I listened to your episode on Star Frontiers talking about Crash on Volturnus. Anybody who's interested in hearing about some uh, Star Frontiers goodness, check that episode out. But check out Rudy in general. He, he uh, likes to dig through some of that old stuff. So, dialing up the nostalgia factor and I've been doing a little bit of that myself over the past few days uh, watching some old TV uh, stuff some kids TV from back in the 80s so 
You listen to Rudy, you're kind of going to get that uh, warm, fuzzy feeling, tinged with perhaps a little melancholy if um, if they're games that you're not really getting to play anymore. Uh, in the example given, Star Frontiers, still got my boxed edition, and I think there's something about the feel of that. Moving on to feel something that Rudy talked about in his message as well that that feel i like the old modules they they uh they seem a little bit large now i prefer the format that we're getting a lot of rpg products in now uh, sort of a six by nine type of book but them old modules with the loose cover you could use it almost like a little bit of a screen pull out the insert they weren't too thick you could blow through them pretty easy I think if, if there was more of them back in the marketplace, I think they'd sell like hot cakes. The DCC Adventures come quite close. And I've, I mean, the artwork, I love the kind of, the kind of retro feel of the artwork with DCC. And there's some really great adventures there. I, I've talked before about them. I've, I've got a bunch of them and haven't got them to the table yet played in a few uh, and really enjoyed them that's something i've got to get onto but the feel it is crucial and i'm with rudy man if if you've got a book that just feels kind of rubbishy and it's not pleasant to handle at that point the content does lose its appeal for me to a certain extent i mean if i'm a massive fan of something I'm probably not going to let the feel dissuade me. There's also a good chance that I'll do something about it and um, maybe pick up a PDF, getting into the realms of taking a book apart in PDF form, reassembling it and making it into something that I want to handle. I'm a bit of a fan of cutting stuff out and sticking things together in journals, drawing over things, colouring stuff I talked about this before with my basic fantasy books I found them uh, a little bit bland should we say a little bit lacklustre but they were cheap and they're pretty sturdy the paper's actually all right and there's there's scope to dig in with them and and start cutting them about sticking things in like I say drawing and sketching in them so that's a whole different thing and um, that can be fun because there is a feel that comes with uh, a sketchbook or journal that you've been carrying around for some years. Uh, it's got this kind of broken in, worked in life to it. There's like hours of create creativity in there. A, a lot of my stuff, they'll begin to be um, layers on each page. So you, you kind of just where something becomes redundant you you kind of scratch it out and like paste over it and it's it's a weird thing <laughs> I, I i'm really into it it makes like the page becomes almost like a uh an archaeological layering of of ideas and stuff but i could go on forever i'm not i'm going to stop but suffice to say feel is really important 
I'm glad, Rudy, that you've picked up on this. If you're listening, man, worry not. Episode two will be coming soon and I will carry on talking about uh, uh, Scott's book. Conclude the, uh, the review of that. Also carrying on with the romance in the perilous land theme feedback. We've got a familiar voice and it sounds like Christmas might have come a little bit early on the other side of the pond. Hey, SpikeFit. I like the approach to the review and I'm with you. Why not? Try it, right? Why not? Why not? So today I'm listening to podcasts and I'm making room for my Berkey filter. I made the purchase. 284 freaking no, $283 and something changed. Anyway. I'm I'm cleaning and moving things around and listening to podcasts and I like your approach to review and I like that you're doing it your way. Let's go. Happy 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 Christmas. Almost said happy Halloween. Bye. Hey Colin, just real quick, this is Jason, Nerds RPG of Radicast. Wanna wish you and your family a well, it's Merry Christmas. I keep hearing you guys say happy Christmas, so maybe it's happy Christmas over there. Or a happy holidays or time with your families. whatever it is you guys celebrate, I hope you have a great one. And I hope you have some great times together. Um, and reference like episode 45 Nave and all that I I know I'm being pedantic here well pedant- no I'm not being pedantic that's the wrong word but I, I meant to call in when I was listening to your recap of um, Stay Frosty but so I'm sure you know this but Advantage Disadvantage predates D&D 5th edition D&D Next uh, like Barbarians Lemoria uses the Advantage Disadvantage they call it something else and that predates any that you know that was D&D 4th edition or 3rd edition time frame. So I don't know where that started. That'd be a research project. But Advantage Disadvantage did not come out with D&D 5th edition. It predates it. So just want to mention that. So getting a little bit more seasonal now towards the end of the episode. Some Christmas cheer there and thanks for the kind wishes. There was Jason and Ivy there. Top of the show we heard from Frank, um, Andy and Rudy. Thanks, guys, for the call-ins. I just want to take a little minute now to to thank everybody who's been listening throughout the year, all the call-ins. I want to thank the pit crew over on my Patreon. And uh, I kind of want to thank my family and folks I've gamed with throughout the year for putting up with me. In particular... The GMs who've run games for me this year, there's been, um, in my face-to-face game, we've got DM Ricky, we've got my brother Arfed, I've got my son, Sonny, um, who else we've got? Jason Hobbs on Calmata, the mysterious Cody M in um, uh, the, the Barrow Maze, I almost forgot how can you forget the Barrow Mace? Uh, I played some Star Wars with Cody as well. I feel like I played something else with Cody. Uh, maybe not. TJ ran a session whilst I was on holiday. Uh, sitting out in Carnarvon on a bench outside a restaurant. There's one that I will remember. Uh, Kevin Madison, the Dungeon Muser. Arlen Walker. Um, Matt Jackson. Run some black hack for us. What else? Let me think. Am I forgetting anybody? Oh! 
Okay, so I knew there was no way I was going to be able to pull that off. I've been listening back. I'm interrupting this segment to say, of course, thank you to Cole Rodriguez. Uh, been playing and continue to play in his broken land setting. We're having a whale of a time every other Sunday. And thinking of that that game, um, the grill wizard, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Perez, he ran us a few sessions in um, Stonehill, Stonehill Dungeon. And I think that was in the early part of this year. I don't think it was like... Well, whenever it was, there's a thank you to Gabriel as well there. He, he, he picked up on some cancelled sessions and jumped in. So um, kind of saved the day. So I didn't want to forget those guys. Anyway, back to the the impossible to remember list. Fellow Worms, John Large and Dave Aldridge. How could I almost forget them guys? And talking of Purple Worm, there's one released earlier today. This is Monday. And there's a Christmas Eve special to be released tomorrow. That's Tuesday Obviously, Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. So, hope you all have a good and restful holiday. A Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, whatever you like. Uh, Look after yourselves. Don't do anything silly. Um, And I'll catch up with you and find out what everybody got from Santa. No doubt with some unboxings and... uh, uh, I wonder if anybody will record some unboxings around the Christmas tree. Let's see. Take care. I'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to this Spike Pit Drive-By episode. If you've enjoyed the show, consider spreading the word via social media. Take care. I'll catch you later. Man, and then I still screwed it up. I still forgot Talon. How can I forget Talon? Basically, the guy that started me off on online gaming. Jeez. Oh, well. Merry Christmas, Talon, if you're listening. Sorry, mate.